You are listening to Mike Seminary and Friends, a Q1 Network production. So as a young basketball player in Nigeria, you're telling me that you fell for a marketing ploy by looking at a brochure with, I think it was a Corvette and a good-looking girl or girls. Is that what, is that what you're saying? Yeah, you, you got me right there, Mike. Uh, you know, they, they had this blue and white-looking Corvette. Uh, it made such an impression on me that when I became, um, you know, uh, a successful technology guy and got into the business. So I actually bought a red Corvette because, man, I, they did such a fantastic job. Uh, and I have these beautiful blue eyes and blonde hair, young ladies on this brochure. But, you know, I was from Africa. Um, you know, I, I, I went to my coach. I told them that I, I want an opportunity to play, play basketball in, in America. He first laughed at me. Yeah, he first said, Manny, you're not fast enough, you're not quick enough. Uh, you know, big enough. I don't think you're even very good enough. He was one of the best encouragers I've ever met, you know. And uh, and after a while, he said, man, but you got balls. The fact that you came and asked me, uh, because this guy was a coach of Akeem Olajuwon. And, uh, you know, so in Nigeria, so he so said, you came and asked me, I think that merits some response. said, hey, I'll give you some names of schools. You write them. And if anyone responds to you favorably, I'll write you a letter of reference. But he ended up not writing me that letter of reference. But I ended up getting five scholarship interests. And I said, well, I didn't know much about America. I've heard about New York. I've heard about Los Angeles. And I've heard about Houston, Texas. So I said, I'll pick the school with the best looking brochure. And I showed up <laughs> at the University of North Dakota, Lake Ridge. And I said, I've done something wrong to God, man. This is the <laughs> coldest place in the entire world coming from Africa. <laughs> and in many ways, the rest is kind of history because that's how the story began. So be- before I actually introduce you, Manny, I've got to ask you, a kid growing up in Nigeria playing basketball, exposed to basketball by a missionary, by the way, if I recall, mm-hmm. how was your first winter in Devil's Lake, North Dakota? Oh, man. Oh, man. I still, I still remember telling my, uh, my now uh, wife of almost 30 years, been together for 32 years, I said, why didn't you great, great, great grandfather kept riding that wagon all the way west. This is unbelievable. Polar bear should be living here. Then I met the people. I mean, melted my heart, salt of the earth, fell in love with them. But I tell you what, Mike, the first two months, I didn't want to go outside. I still remember coach said, son, you're already here. You got to go outside. You can't be in the room all day. I said, I'm going to die. <laughs> Uh, folks, today I have just the blessing, and that's what I'm calling this. God blesses us, and uh, today I'm really blessed to have Manuel Hanmi, the CEO, co-founder, and president of Samaritan's Feet International, and I'll get to more of his bio here momentarily. And this is a God thing. I, I got to tell you, as I was visiting with Manny before we started, because of COVID, I was asked to join a Bible study group. And not too long ago, Howard Dahl had mentioned, you know, if you haven't washed someone's feet, because we were in John, we we're talking about the Last Supper evening and the washing of the disciples' feet, you ought to do that. Somehow, I came across your book, Manny, 
sole purpose, shoes of hope from the feet of a Samaritan. And I started reading that book and then reached out to you. And you so graciously agreed to come on my podcast. Your book, your story, what you're doing has so moved me. And I thought we should tee it up first for how a kid from Nigeria ends up in Devil's Lake, North Dakota. And there's this connection when you're from North Dakota and you meet anybody that's lived in North Dakota, there's a connection. Manny, thank you so much for taking time to join me. I know you're really busy. It's great to see you. How, How are you today, by the way? I am blessed. I am doing very well. I, I just got in back from Toronto and London, Ontario, just a, a couple of days ago, and just um, I got the chance to to speak to our amazing business leaders there and and visit the CEO of our of Samaritan's Feet uh, affiliate office there in Toronto, and and just an amazing time. And and and, and this is a busy time of the year for us as we are. Um, you know, we've got over 20 countries that our teams are visiting throughout this summer to impact people. Uh, I'm getting ready to actually go meet up with my, one of my old friends uh, in Costa Rica, who's the head basketball coach of Tulane University. We used to be the head coach at IUPUI and, and then over in Georgia State. And, and uh, so we're going to go serve kids with this entire athletic basketball program there in Costa Rica. And then from there... Uh, I go on to Bahamas to meet up with my dear friend, Coach John Calipari, with the University of Kentucky, uh, where we get the chance to to in- inspire this young man uh, to be humble and serve because we believe service to others uh, emancipates humanity from the dungeon of themselves. And when you serve others, you truly understand the essence of greatness. Mm. And and I think there was a very famous teacher that taught us that lesson many, many years ago, that if you want to be great, mm. you got to understand the power when it means to serve. Amen. Manny, you were a a young kid in Nigeria, and you didn't have shoes, if I'm understanding the story correctly. And some fellow from the States is doing missionary work in your country, um, and he teaches you how to play some basketball and gets you a pair of shoes. How did a pair of shoes... I I was actually... Mike, I was actually... um, uh, my, my role I, from the age of nine, right? Um, uh, I've always supported my mom and and, and the, the economic bottom line of my family. I mean, most kids in the developing world uh, has to do something to contribute to the economy and the, the economic well-being of their family. And my job is to go sell water and soft drinks uh, to athletes that you can play sports by my house. Um, you know, I showed up at this park in Lagos that day to go sell soft drinks and water uh, I didn't realize I was about to have a date with destiny. Um, you know, there was this group of, you know, missionaries, uh, you know, uh, this gentleman by the name of Dave from Wisconsin. Um, you know, they came to teach African children how to play sports. They had his orange balls. See, Mike, everything that's round and bounce in my country, we kick them. But this one, they called it basketball, man. They were dribbling his orange ball, having fun. And, and uh, you know, so I wanted to join them. I put my basket down. I wanted to join them. But because I was a street merchant, they shooed me away. And, uh, you know, fed disappointed, uh, but I stood my ground. I was watching them as all these kids were having so much fun. And how Providence will have it, one of the balls rolled around the corner by the tree by where I was standing, and I quickly ran after it, and I grabbed it, and I snuck it and joined them. And uh, we started dribbling the ball and passing the ball, and, and then we were pretending shooting ball on this mini basketball ring. And then this missionary, uh, Dave, said, we're going to have a shooting competition. And he said, the price for the winner is going to be a new pair of tennis shoes. 
that place went nutsy uh, because you've got to realize in my neighborhood where people live on less than a dollar a day, a pair of tennis shoes like Mercedes-Benz. So everybody wanted to get picked. We were screaming, pick me, pick me, pick me. You know, I was one of the few that got picked that day. It was so crazy. I never played basketball in my life except messing around, people just chasing them around there. But, but I truly believe the Angels was working overtime that day because the shot I took went in. I ended up winning the competition, becoming the first person, not just my family, but my entire community. I won a pair of tennis shoes at my age. It was unbelievable. Um, you know, just, I mean, it rocked me. I was so excited. And uh, this young man, Dave, called me to the front. And, and then he presented me this brand new pair of tennis shoes. And the smile on my face uh, it was as big as the state of North Dakota itself. It was unbelievable. Uh, and, uh, and I was going to take off. And right before I took off, he grabbed me by my shoulder. And he said, son, just because all you see around you is poverty, that doesn't mean the God of the universe has forgotten about you. Mm. He said, keep dreaming and keep dreaming big. You know, Mike, you could have told me that day the sky was green. I would have believed him. Mm. And after I finished speaking, I took off. You know, I ran so fast, I forgot my basket of water and soft drinks. <laughs> and then I showed up at home and my mama looked at me and said, son, where's my soft drinks and water? I said, mama, check out my shoes. And uh, she was so happy for me. And about a few minutes later, he said, son, you better go bring my water back and soft drink. But yes, you better meet Jesus. You know, like, so I had to run all the way back there, man, praying that, man, that, 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 that merchandise better be there because I was about to have a, a very unique spiritual experience. And I promise you, it wouldn't be very fun, you know. But uh, so that's how it started for me. And, um, you know, I started playing basketball and, and when things would get a little crazy because my home life was somewhat challenging because of my father's choice uh, to drink and some of the other things. Uh, but but it was amazing. God still had a plan through all that stuff. And, you know, so I find myself in the basketball court. And, and um, you know, it's crazy sometimes, you know, uh, when you live with somebody that has some of these addiction personalities, um, the ones that are closest to them, the most are the ones that they hurt the most. And 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 my dad, when he was under the influence, you know, he, I, I know he probably doesn't mean it, uh, but he said some very mean things to his son. And but I was always glad for my mom uh, because she'll come behind him and put her hands on my head, and she always says, "Son, whatever mean and evil or vile thing this man ever says to my son will never come to pass," uh, because my God has promised me that my son could do all things. Uh, to him will give some strength. Mm. You know, it's crazy. I used to go to my mom and said, then, then why does God allow all these crazy things to happen? And, and why do we have to live very poor? And my mom was one of the most wise people in the world. And uh, she would take me by this little window by my house. And, uh, and uh, she would she'll take me by that window and she would point outside and say, son, look outside and tell me what you see. And I'll look outside and I'll ramble. I say, yeah, mom, there are the tr trees outside. I said, no, son, I want you to look higher. And then, and gaze upon the sky and tell me what you see. And I look, I said, Mom, they're birds. I said, Mom, stop it, man. I said, no, 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 son, I, wanna, I want you to look much higher and tell me what you see. And I, I tell Mom, I see the clouds. And they said, you ever wonder why God created the sky so high? And I said, I, I don't know, Mama. And then she said, so poor boy, it's like you can dream. Oh. Uh, really. I said, never make excuse for life. Uh, he said, just because today may be a crappy day doesn't mean tomorrow ain't going to be a great day. As long as my God is on the throne, she said, you can do all things. For him, who gives you strength. So that's how he started for me. Uh, that's how I, when I became a junior in high school, when I approached my coach and I said, Coach, man, you know, I believe I'm going my senior year. I love to be able to play basketball in America. Uh, Akim Olajuwon was made basketball very famous and popular in Nigeria at that time. And like I said, <laughs> he said, man, Emmanuel calls me. <laughs> he said, you know, fast enough, <laughs> you know, you know, quick enough, you know, 
you know, big enough. And I mean, he was a great encourager, man. I, I left. He just built me up. And he said, man, I don't even know if you'll get a scholarship, you know. But he said, you had balls. You had the audacity to come ask me. Yeah. He said that that took uh, courage. Um, and then he gave me some names of school, wrote those schools. And uh, University of North Dakota at that time, Lake Region, was one of the ones that responded very favorably. Coach uh, Terry Porter was my coach. Uh, you know, so I got the scholarship. I got the paperwork to travel. And that was another miracle all about that because my first visa application was rejected and God miraculously made that possible. And then, uh, you know, then we couldn't have money, Mike, you know, to pay for the ticket. I mean, you know, it was going to cost us $700 to buy uh, a ticket to come to the United States. That's like $7 million to my family. Uh, you know, it was just, uh, it was so untenable. But God, through his sovereignty, and and uh, and, and they call them Jehovah Jireh, and I experienced that. And and provision came through unconventional source. And, and I ended up getting a, a ticket, and uh, it's so crazy. Uh, you know, I flew out of Italia from Lagos through Rome to Chicago here. And I remember landing in Chicago and this uh, Northwest attendant asked me, where are you going? And I said, hey, I'm going to uh, I'm going to this place in North Dakota. Says, son, you still got a long ways to go. I said, man, I've been traveling for two days, man. Where is this place? You know? And uh, he said, you're going to have to like, uh, you got two ways to get there. Uh, you either take a Greyhound bus, but he said, I won't advise you. I won't even put my enemy on that. He said, all you can, you, know, you can take, uh, you know, a, a flight. And there's only a handful of seats left on this Northwest Airline flight. And I said, what is it going to cost? He said about 180 some dollars. And my stomach felt sick uh, because uh, $180, a, you know, uh, a, a year even. My parents, I don't think at that time, make that. And, uh, you know, so I'm, they're asking me to spend the equivalent of what my parents make in about a year. So, oh, man, this is crazy. Uh, but eventually I paid it. I flew all the way to Grand Forks. And, Mike, I learned one of my first lessons when I got to the United States. Uh, call ahead, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because I, I didn't call. Uh, you know, uh, my, I got my visa, I think, uh, my, uh, my, my paper in February, got my visa right around March. Uh, April came, May came, actually wrote an article that I was coming. I didn't come because we didn't have money. Uh, uh, you know, June came, July came, August came. So they gave up. They said, this guy's not coming. September came, uh, and then miraculously, right about towards the end, miracle happened was able to get the visa. So by the time I showed up at school, October was right, right there around the corner and, and, uh, early winter set in and, and it was like, uh, it was something else. Uh, you know, I, I learned one of the greatest lessons of my life, but I, I felt the hospitality of the North Dakota ethos. I mean, I remember getting down at the bus depot there, Devil's Lake off of Highway 2, and, uh, and he told me his, the campus was only about two plus something miles. I didn't know what miles was. I knew kilometers, and I thought it was kilometers. So I just said, oh, it's not too far. Man. I found out real quick, that's a long ways walking in the winter. <laughs> and I'm wearing this linen suit. You know, I'm like freezing, carrying two bags. It's just about empty, just to pretend like I have something in them. And, uh, and then this family was coming from church and they pulled over in this orange car, tiny little car, uh, Larry and Sheila Mosier with their little kids at that time, Brad Mosier and Marco Mosier and Kellen Mosier. And, uh, and then they pulled up and they looked at me. They said, you must be Emmanuel. I said, you must be a psychic. Who are you? <laughs> you guys live in devil's lake. Something crazy is going on over here. You don't even know me. 
And turned out she re- he read the article about me coming in May and never heard anything. He said, well, you're the only one that kind of look like an African that's about six foot four walking down on highway two. You kind of give yourself away. So so he picked me up, drove me to the campus. Nobody was there. And they took me back home. This is what I love about the North Dakota people. Uh, they just have a heart just says, I just melt you. They are so hospitable. They are so kind. They're so generous. They brought me in their home. They fed me. And, and Mike, I've never seen a spread. It was like Thanksgiving in, you know, early October. It was like uh, end of September. It was crazy. Uh, they had mashed potatoes, gravy, and turkey. And I haven't eaten in two days, man. I'm saying I'm died gone to heaven. I didn't know how to eat this food, though. I was looking at all this stuff. And, but I knew I saw bread. They had this little bun, so I liked that one. That one looked kind of good. So so I do what I did. Nice little African boy would do. I took the bun and opened it up. I put some stuff in it. I started eating like a sandwich. And this little four-year-old looked at his mom, whispered something to her, said, Mom, this guy is weird. He's eating <laughs> Stopping like a sandwich. I was like, <laughs> it was amazing. But they eventually took me back to campus and uh, they contacted Dwayne Shrabi. Then they, you know, like the women's basketball coach, because my coach was actually traveling a golf trip and uh, they got me settling quickly, got me a room. Uh, shout out to Matt Moose, who was our residence hall director. Uh, he got me hooked up. Hey, they found me a room right away. But here's the deal, Mike. The room was facing huge window on it. There was this white stuff outside called snow. And every time I saw this stuff, this my knee buckles, man. I'm like, I don't want to look at this. I can't stay here. So so when my coach came back and came and visited me, I've, I've kind of, you know, strolled around the hallway of the uh, of, of the residence hall. I saw there was a middle room, kind of like a storage boiler kind of storage facility in the middle. It had no window. And uh, so I went and had actually uh, Matt Moose open it up for me to kind of check it out. So I said, man, this is the room I want. I want a room with no window where I can't see snow. I can't see anything. So my coach came and visited me. My true story. Uh, he walked into my room. He walked back outside. He said, man, it's too hot in here. I said, coach, it's 85 degrees, just like Africa. Leave me alone. I love it. You know, it's like, it was the best feeling. You know, stayed there for two years, transferred to Concordia College because I thought I was going to go run the UN food program. I got an undergrad in international business, international relations, and graduated from there. Then went to North Dakota State to get my master's in egg econ and applied econs. And my focus was on transportation and logistics. You know, that's how it began for me. That is just absolutely fabulous. I, I have to go back to say one thing that I learned in your book with regards to the entrepreneurial spirit that you have. That's far more common in third world countries than it is in the United States. Because if you're not entrepreneurial somehow, you're probably not going to survive. Can't survive. So, so you develop those skills early on. It's a family thing. Because uh, if you can bring in a buck, that's a big, big deal. And so when you had to go back and get the water, that was a real big deal. Or there was going to be a different kind of second coming for you. So I have to agree with you. <laughs> so you have this technology background, logistics. And so kind of to fast forward, you and Tracy, your bride, uh, congratulations on your upcoming anniversary, by the way. Thank you. Um, you started an organization called Samaritan's Feet. And I just want to tee it up a little bit about what it does. Uh, and then I want you to kind of run with it, Manny. I almost should also go back and talk about how your mother gave you the name Emmanuel, but we'll come back to that. 
2003, coming up on 20 years, where you will be celebrating the launch of Samaritan's Feet International. This is an organization that has, you're approaching about 9 million pairs of shoes, if not north of that, that you're providing to kids in over 100 countries, and including the United States. And you have a team of volunteers and you know teammates at the corporation. But the thing I want to talk about is, it isn't just about providing shoes to kids. Because the washing the feet component, which really... I could, in fact, I cried when I started reading about how you wrote mm. that, Manny, about the connecting to the heart and the soul and kind of give us an overview of why that is so important for Samaritan's Feet International and the kids. Well, you know, um, and I tell everybody, um, you know, that, you know, coming from a software background, um, you know, there used to be this concept that we used to employ called object-oriented development, um, you know, so that way we don't waste anything. You know, we can create packages and, and we can have procedures and call it and put it to, uh, to work and as part of the code sequence. And, and we didn't come up with the idea to wash feet. Uh, there was a very famous Jewish carpenter, uh, son of a Jewish carpenter. Uh, you know, some people call him Emmanuel. Uh, but the world over, we know him as Jesus the Christ. Uh, you know, the night before he left this world, he did something that was epic. Uh, 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 you know, one of my favorite books in the world is, uh, uh, you know, is the book called The Bible. And, and, and in that book, uh, he talked about how he took out his outer garment and wrapped a towel around himself. And, and they took a basin of water and a jar of water, and he said, one by one, he started to wash his disciples' feet. And uh, uh, and I'm pretty sure when he was doing that act, his disciples didn't understand because he completely messed them up. Because he reversed role. Mm -hmm. Because the master became the servant. And he said, you know, he said, the greatest amongst you uh, must be your servant. Um, and if I, your Lord, served you, you also could do likewise. That passage of scripture messed me up, mm. right? The king of the universe humbled himself and served his students. And, um, you know, so when I went back, you know, so I was a really, really good student at NDSU. Um, um, actually, I was one of the top in my program. And I was invited to this conference in San Diego, California. And, uh, you know, it was where about 5,000 of the top executives and CEOs in logistics businesses or logistics affiliated enterprises, uh, they convened uh, to share best practices and do all that stuff. And, and I was selected, me and another uh, fellow uh, uh, colleague of mine at NDSU in the graduate program was selected with a handful of students from across the country to come to this conference. It was called the Council of Logistics Management. And I remember showing up at this conference and, and this young gentleman, he was a CEO of a startup software company uh, out of Charlotte, North Carolina, approached me. And he said, do you want a job? I said, yes, I want a job. He said, I'd like to fly you to Charlotte. Mike, I didn't know much about American geography. I said, where's Charlotte? He said, why are you asking me that question? 
I said, the last time I didn't ask that question, I showed up in North Dakota. I'm nobody. <laughs> I don't know where this geography stuff is taking me. I want to make sure. But, but he flew me to Charlotte, Mike, and he offered me a job on the spot. And I joined this software company because I wanted to learn. Because when I was in grad school, I, I went and got a degree in a geek con because I truly thought I was going to go feed the world. But I didn't, know, I didn't realize God had a completely different plan. Um, you know, so, so when this gentleman offered me this job and, and, and I moved my family at that time, Tracy and I got married and, and I had a daughter in North Dakota and we moved to Charlotte and, 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 and our company blew up, got very big and God blessed it. We merged with another group and then my father got really sick and, um, you know, and I always tell people in life, see, God always allow us to make our choices, uh, but seldom. Will he ever allow us to pick our consequences? Mm. See, see, my father's consequence to uh, to abuse alcohol and all that stuff eventually caught up to him. So he was diagnosed with source of liver, but eventually uh, cost him his life. But before two weeks before he passed away, uh, God did a miracle. My father came to know the Lord as his Savior, mm. uh, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, and it was a beautiful thing for me. I had to go back to Nigeria to bury my dad, um, and I went back to Nigeria and I showed up there. Uh, and it was so hard. I forgot, um, um, you know, how distressed our uh, home and our community was. And 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 and, and I was seeing uh, what it means to live in the American dream. And 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 it was so hard. I couldn't even use the bathroom. I had to go across the street to the park where I used to sell water. And and I came out of that park, and I saw all these children with no shoes. And and and, and my heart just sunk. I said, Man, what if I can stop coming? To help kids like this. And I learned eventually that over 300 million kids in have shoes in Africa, about a billion and a half were infected with disease because they have no shoes. Um, and, uh, and, and, then, and then I realized at that time, what would be one of the most impactful after, you know, a couple of years went by, uh, how can we serve uh, this amazing group of kids and this amazing group of people? And, 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 and then I, I remember Jesus Christ's story, but I also remember one of the most important stories he taught us. Uh, about this story of this Samaritan that was uh, traveling uh, on this uh, on this dangerous road uh, uh, between uh, uh, Jericho and and and, uh, and where the synagogue was in Jerusalem, and um, and and it was crazy because it said you know this man was attacked by a bandit and and the rabbi went by the Levi went by but there was a good Samaritan uh, that stopped and had mercy and compassion. So I remember what Jesus did. I said, what can we do to live an indelible mark on people's mind? That act, when we reversed our role. And, and the, the one that they looked as the master or the one that has becomes a servant. And, and, and now um, you're looking up at them, they're looking down at you. And, and, and God does something very powerful when you get the chance to wash somebody's feet. He messes you up. We call this, this is mutual transformation. Uh, experience that both the giver and the receiver receives. And, and there's this human development that happens through that exercise. So, so we become Samaritan to this amazing group of people, either children, the homeless, the refugees, the senior citizens, the veterans, all across the globe. And, um, you know, so we said, we want to do what Jesus Christ did. And, and, and honestly, we get the chance to, to cause people that may not even know Christ, uh, because we're a humanitarian organization. We work in the Middle East. We work in Africa. We work across Europe. We work in the United States. Um, and some of the people that serve with us are not Christians. But 
they get the chance to experience what Jesus did. And that messes them up every single time. <laughs> They're crying. They don't know why. They're crying. They have this emotion. They don't know why this emotion are getting overwhelmed. And all of a sudden, it's like, what's happening to me? I said, you are experiencing love in the nth degree, times infinity. The power of God is descending on that moment because you invited the Spirit of God into your environment. And you demonstrate what power of love and servitude create. And that act, Mike, it's allowed us to move so much things forward around health initiatives because we tell people we inspire hope, right? That, that's about health, you know, like outcomes. How do we prevent diseases? You know, it's about creating opportunities because kids can't go to school because they have no shoes. So how do we provide access and opportunity for kids to go to school? It's about building bridge for reconciliation and peace building. You know, how do we have enemies that used to kill each other, humble themselves and wash each other's feet and, and read a peace declaration? And every time I look at that shoe, I remember that every time uh, that I think about this pair of shoes and this act that I just committed, that I made a commitment to my creator and my fellow men that I wouldn't, uh, that I wouldn't kill, that I would live in peace. And then E, education. How do we educate people about this, this amazing story and this ethos of this Samaritan? How do we live it out in our day-to-day -day world to be this, you know, this interruptible, reconciled, this good Samaritan, to be this, you know, this compassionate soul, to be this, this man of integrity, this person of kindness and compassion and, and all this and that all embodied in this act and this mission and this cause called Samaritan's Feet. So we set it on audacious goal to go serve 10 million. And by the end of this year, uh, hopefully, uh, it was supposed to be this year, but we're going to push it a little bit into early next year. We'll serve our 10th million recipient, God willing. Oh, and man. now we're asking ourselves, what's next? You know, how do we uh, create an economic development platform that allows this sustainable across the world? Because we're talking over a billion people. Uh, we invented a world shoe. You're an engineer, actually, about six and a half, seven years ago. Uh, we came up with this concept uh, to invent this disease-fighting shoe called our world shoe. It's, uh, uh, how do we deploy shoe as a prophylactic uh, to help curb the spread of salt-transmitted diseases that's affecting over a billion people worldwide and deploy it as a platform to also administer different types of mass drugs and ways to be able to actually treat the whole self. It's pretty amazing. I mean, whoever thought that this act of washing feet could lead to health outcome, could lead to opportunity outcome, to peace outcome, to education outcome. Now, being able to manufacture this issue one day in Africa to create jobs, to then be able to still advance this mission, I think God picked, you know, a vessel that I thought was unusable hmm. because I thought I wasn't qualified. And somebody reminded me that, uh, you know, he always qualifies who he calls and, and, and he uses our misery and turn into a ministry. And that's what I've been doing. Manny, I, you mentioned World Shoe and uh, earlier this morning when I was trying to, to learn more about you and the organization and all the ways that you're touching people, I, I came ac across that. And uh, I watched, I don't know, it was probably a minute and a half incredible video on, is it worldshoe.com? Is that the? Yeah, worldshoe.com. Worldshoe.com. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Actually, it's called theworldshoe.com. Theworldshoe.com. Mm -hmm. I was absolutely stunned at, first of all, it, a biodegradable shoe, brilliant, because if you get a million or a billion of them out there, it's environmentally friendly, but then the way it addresses the prevention of disease, which for those for those of us that don't know what that's like, 
that's a big, big deal. In fact, I'm going sh- to share this story. I've been running since 1975. And be- I'm one of those guys that the older you get, sometimes when your sweat glands open up, you get little things in there. And you have these little growths. I get them on my thumbs. I get them on my fingers. I get them on my feet, especially on the ends of some of my toes. Mm-hmm. And it makes walking incredibly difficult. Running not so much because my feet get numb in about 50 yards and I'm good to go. <laughs> but I always have to file them off or about every three months I go into a podiatrist and they cut them out. I know that sounds kind of gross, but it's just, the, it's it's one of those, we all is. have crosses to bear, right? And I have one of those. That's right. So when I, when, I, when I read your book and I started thinking about what I go through and I have a shoe on, I'm thinking, mm-hmm. I can't imagine what it must be like for hundreds of millions of people, especially kids that have no protection on their feet. I mean, imagine stepping on a broken bottle of corroded metal, right? Um, you know, walking. So you've got a laceration from this corroded metal that's now punctuated your skin, right? Now you've got bacteria and there's parasites that now has an opening to get into your body. And through your blood vessels, those bacteria and those parasites transplus through your bloodstream. And before you know, it gets lodged somewhere where you don't want it to be lodged. And you look at your screen, you look at you got leprosy. And, 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 and they can't go to school because they're making fun of them. They don't want to be in public because they are pariah. Nobody wants to be around them. Uh, if you live in places like Ethiopia or Cameroon and some of these other parts in Colombia, different parts of the world, they've got this condition called podoconiosis. It's a non-filarial type of elephantiasis because many of them that has this condition live in agrarian culture. In Ethiopia alone, about 5 million people has this condition. 5 million, over a million of them children. You know why, Mike? See, see they farm in silica. And, and silica attacks their soul because they have no protective layer. They have no shoes. And it, it attacks their nerve on their feet. And then their feet blows up. So sometimes twice or as much as four times their natural sizes. Mm. Uh, they have pus on them. This smell. I mean, it looks like elephantiasis. And, and if you catch it soon enough, you can reverse it by, by putting it in water and chlorine, antibiotic cream, uh, synthetic sock, and, and then this therapy that you do on a week-to-week basis. But you need footwear to protect it so you don't go back into that, uh, that particular, you know, like a silica environment. And, and, and pretty much all this, you know, outreach stuff that you've done has gone to a waste. Well, you know, it's crazy. But if you don't catch it soon enough, people have to amputate their feet. Because mm-hmm. something that we consider a fashion accessory in the, develop, in, in, the, in the developed world could lead to death, amputation, an opportunity that stifle people. I mean, it, you know, they call these diseases neglected tropical diseases, you know, that affects because it's a disease of the poor. And it's sad because it's like a cycle, right? You, you, you know, poverty, right, create bad hygiene because you live in unsanitized area. You have this place where, you know, you, your home's got animals in there sometimes and over two thirds of the world, right? You know, it's like, you know, you, you don't have, cemented floor so it's dirt floor so the feces of these animals becomes a you know a host a whole bunch of weird parasites and bacteria and you have direct contact with them it comes into your body i mean you you talk about your toenails any simple cut mm-hmm. becomes an opening that could lead to your death 
And then people don't know that it affects over a billion people. So what we've said we're going to dedicate our life to is to first and foremost create awareness about the need for footwear as a as, as a disease-fighting prophylactic, as a strategy. And we're talking to the likes of UNICEF and, and USAID, even countries, health systems like in Rwanda and Ghana, different places, to say, hey, how do we fight this disease? How do we take that in out of that? Because these are human born in the image of God. Just because they're poor and the pharmaceutical companies can't take care of it, they don't make money from it, doesn't mean we should call them neglected. We care about these people because if it's important enough for God to create them, then it's important enough for us to mm. fight for them. Mm. Amen. I'm going to back up to when the fellow recruited you to come to, to Charlotte. And that's where you and Tracy still live. And you had this successful career. How, how did the concept of creating Samaritan's Feet, that discussion at home with Tracy, and then the decision to leave the comforts of corporate America, how, how did that play out at that time? You know, it's, you know Mike, it's, uh, I like to say, God called, I said yes. It's like, uh, you know, you know, it's like Samuel <laughs> and responded, you know, uh, in my case, it wasn't like that. Uh, you know, I knew from an early age, um, you know, which is um, uh, native to even my name, Emmanuel. Um, you know, my mom um, promised me to the Lord, you know, uh, after I was born, actually before I was born. Um, you know, we, we live in, we lived at that time in a society, um, you know, you know, where the medicine man played some very active role in Africa and, 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 and God delivered my mom from a very, um, unusual situation. And, and, and she made a pact with God that if she, uh, she, if she, God will allow her to have the baby she was carrying, that that baby is a boy that she was going to name him Emmanuel, mm. uh, because that night. How God was with her, and and a few months later, this good-looking thing kind of came out, and it was pretty special. And uh, she told me, as I as I had the cognitive ability to be able to comprehend that that she has entrusted me to the Lord, that I was going to serve Him. And I used to tell my mom as early as I was could able to talk and comprehend and understand, uh, you know, life. I said, I'm going to be a businessman, and. I never knew that my mom was a genius, you know, that you were going to be a businessman that serves the Lord as your profession. And, and you will use business as a platform to transform the world in the name of Christ. Um, and, and, and through a ministry called Samaritan's Feet. You know, it's amazing to think, um, you know, that how, how, you know, so I was, I was seeing what success was. Um, you know, I left this first company. I joined another one. In New York, and um, you know, and then my wife didn't want to move to New York, and so I was commuting back and forth for about a couple of years, and 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 I, I knew that was going to strain a family, and, and so my buddy was starting a new software company in Charlotte. So uh, one of my former uh, guys that worked for me actually uh, now wanted to join the company, so he said, "Hey, you know, you should probably try to recruit Manny to come run your product and all this kind of group." So so I ended up joining them, and um, you know, we went through our Series C and Series D round of funding, and. And, um, you know, and, uh, and so with that last round of funding, a uh, venture capitalist firm out of New York looked at all of us. We were like 30, 20 some years. said, you guys need some adult supervision. You know, giving you all these millions of dollars, <laughs> you know, we need to make sure uh, we've got to get some gray hair around here just to ask you guys all the hard questions. And so it happened. I, I inherited a new boss and 
And, um, you know, so as part of this process, we were looking at actually acquiring a company in Texas. Uh, so we had to fly down to Dallas, Texas to go do due diligence on this company that we're looking at acquiring. Um, you know, we showed up there that night. Uh, you know, we had some free time before our meeting the next day. And, and Jay, my new boss, said, hey, Manny, what do you want to do? I said, well, let's go get some tickets to go watch the, you know, the uh, New Jersey uh, you know, the Nets play against, at that time they were in New Jersey, not Brooklyn. New Jersey Nets play against the Dallas Mavericks. So I said, one of my favorite players, you know, Vince Carter was playing for New Jersey at that time. So we went there and we sat in this stuff after eating some popcorn, a little bit of a Brad Worcester hot dog. And, and uh, uh, you know, Jay asked me, he said, hey, man, uh, if, if money wasn't an issue, how would you change the world? Oh. I'm like, what? Oh. I'm being set up. You know, because I've had a series of conversations with the Lord and uh, uh, confirming my calling to serve him, to do all this stuff. And But I was so comfortable in my world that I, I knew it was going to cost me to go do something. Well, so uh, somehow I, I, I left up with this passion, started sharing this vision uh, to be able to provide shoes to millions and, and washing their feet and using that as a vehicle to inspire hope and and, and remind them they can also dream big dreams and go change the world and, 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 and challenge world leaders, challenge, you know, athletes, challenge business leaders, community leaders uh, to use this as a vehicle to galvanize a movement to impact the world uh, in the name of our king. Uh, and after a few minutes, this guy stopped me. He said, why are you here? Mm-hmm. And when your boss asks you why you're here, you want to change the subject, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and I'm praying that this game start. I don't want to continue this conversation. And the buzzer sounded, and they were about to do the jump. I said, thank you, Jesus. We can end this conversation. But I didn't realize Jay Rollins found that conversation in his brains. Well, fast forward a few weeks later, my wife went to a conference with a group of ladies to, in, in Greensboro to a Joyce Myers conference. And, and um, you know, God read our mail. For a lady that my wife, didn't know. Uh, uh, she shared with her our, um, all these things we've never told anybody except ourselves. And then, and when she was finishing uh, what she was sharing to my bride, uh, she had a bottle of Deer Park water. Uh, she told my wife uh, that she saw a convoy of trucks uh, that God was mobilizing um, uh, to be able to bring resources to the young people all across the world to inspire hope. And then she took this bottle of Deer Park water and she asked my wife, is it okay if I wash your feet? And my wife lost it. And my wife got home and said, we've been disobedient. Um, so me and my wife got away to go to Charleston to go, you know, kind of, I was hoping this was actually going to be my strategic plan to get my wife to forget about this. <laughs> but, uh, but I didn't realize that was going to be a, uh, a defining moment in my life um, because my wife asked me before we went to dinner that night, you know, she always calls me E. She said, E, um, you know, what is it going to take for you, Emmanuel? She never calls me Manny like everybody calls me. And she said, what's it going to take for you uh, to go do what God has called you to do? And I said, woman, leave me alone, man. I, you know, I thought we'd come here, we'd go have some fine dinner. We'd be in Charleston, the sun, the beach. Uh, but man, I just give her a very, you know, really, really, really flippant answer, thinking that will just suffice at that time, and we can go accomplish my agenda to go have some fun in Charleston. So I said to her, "Well, you know, you know, if God will maybe help, allow me to be able to save another six months of income or something, you know, we've got some savings. You know, if we stretch it, you know, we can maybe, uh, you know, 
stretching for about a couple of years or something, at least. I mean, in case God is at that time choosing to save Darfur, <laughs> that's that was my joke. <laughs> you know, you know, at least I'll be fine for a couple of years. Man, Mike, I thought I said something else that day. Um, and uh, because Monday, Monday, I went to work, had my calls, um, and uh, I was going to go to lunch. So I poked my head into Jay's office. I said, did you want to grab a bite? And he said, man, he come in. And he came right behind me and shut the door. And Jay never shuts the door when he talks to me. And uh, I said, what's going on? And, and he said, uh, Manny, I, the new president of the VC just brought actually was going to have this conversation. But I felt like we connected when we were down in Dallas. Uh, he said, well, cut to the chase. Uh, the president wants your job. He's got somebody else that he wants to put in charge of the product and alliances and all this kind of stuff and marketing. And, uh, but I heard your passion. And uh, I know you can go into services and you do fine, but I know you'll be miserable. Uh, but what if I can help you get this organization started? I said, what the heck are you talking about? And then he cut to the chase. He said, I can give you exactly this amount of money. It was exactly six months that I told my bride on Saturday. <laughs> and I said, holy crap. Boy, did I wish I said three years on Saturday. <laughs> and uh Never in my wildest dream did I thought he was going to answer that prayer too fast. Um, I called my wife. I stomped out of his office mad and upset. I called that day my Black Monday. I never realized that was going to be the greatest day of my life. Uh, came home, wept, prayed with my wife. Um, you know, eventually we started this organization called Samaritan's Feet with a vision to go put shoes on the feet of 10 million people around the world. And now we sit at the precipice of serving a 10 million recipient. And now thinking we already started manufacturing shoes. Actually, this is going to be the new, a new line of our work. We just redesigned it. Uh, and our goal is to start manufacturing these shoes in Africa, God willing, starting next year. Oh, man, that's just awesome. Here's, here's the, one of those times I say to myself, I should have a YouTube channel so everybody could, first of all, see that we wear our hair the same and have dark glasses, all that kind of thing. But they could have just seen <laughs> the prototype of the shoe that you're talking about and what a blessing that would be to be able to manufacture that in Africa and create jobs and opportunity and hope. Amen. Mm-hmm. Manny, what's the best way that I and listeners of Mike Seminary and Friends podcast can help you in your mission? What's the best way we can do that? You know, I think one of the most important ways you can honestly help us, first and foremost, uh, is to pray for us. Um, we have a lot that we are doing. We just moved into our new headquarters, um, which we got blessed us. We secure, we purchased a six acre property here close to uptown Charlotte, uh, sit on about 80,000 square foot of our uh, immersive experience, our warehouse, and then our headquarters, our worldwide headquarters here. We've got some additional stuff we want to be able to do. So we need some investment, some folks that can help um, uh, support uh, that additional campaign to expand. And uh, we already outgrew the warehouse facility. Uh, it's crazy. We, you know, now we're looking for satellite facility. We thought it was going to take us five years to outgrow that. And uh, but God is blessed in providing the shoes. So we need financial resources as well uh, to be able to help us not just expand the facility, build additional warehouse, set up uh, secondary hubs in. Nigeria, uh, South Africa, in, in Rwanda, in, in uh, places like Ghana, and, and also in like places like you know Guatemala and maybe in India, uh, but also to be able to procure and manufacture the shoes, and you know just a simple gift, you know, because in the U.S. we provide athletic shoes for kids with the shoes and socks, the hope totes, and the hygiene kits, 
you know, for $25, you can help us put a pair of shoes on a child anywhere in the United States. And, and for anywhere for like $10, you can put that world shirt anywhere in the world. So, so just look at the, how much people can you impact. So if you make a commitment, be a soul society partner with us and go to SamaritansV.org and I'll contact me at, at Manny at SamaritansV.org and say, hey, you know, uh, my family wants to partner with you. You can serve with us. You can sponsor distribution in your community to help uh, because people think all the people in poverty are all in Africa or Haiti. Uh, you'd be shocked. We've served people in Devil's Lake and, you know, uh, North Dakota. We've served uh, people at the Indian reservations there in Bismarck and Devil's Lake and Fort, you know, like uh, yeah, Fort Totten area there in Devil's Lake and uh, to, you know, places in Minneapolis, to Sioux Falls, South Dakota, you know, to Iowa, to Nebraska, 44 states across the United States. Uh, we work with Title I schools all across the United States, uh, uh, providing dignity for children, uh, both elementary, middle school, even as high as high school. We, we serve homeless uh, population. Uh, we've invented a senior shoe, uh, a fall-resistant, skid-resistant shoe that keeps senior citizens from falling very easy. Uh, that we team up with Sanford Health. I serve on the board of Sanford. I'm the chair of their work clinic and then vice chair of their research group there. And uh, so we we work with uh, they work with us with their Good Samaritan Society to actually uh, uh, create this uh, senior shoe program that we've actually deployed and, and our world shoe program that we work with Sanford. Uh, we're actually doing something very spectacular in Ghana right now, Mike, where uh, one of the leading causes of death in Ghana is cervical cancer for young girls and even some of the boys because uh, something that in this country every child doesn't have to think about, uh, HPV vaccines, uh, they cost over $200 and and most people don't even make $200 a year. Mm. Uh, so Sanford and Samaritan's Feed is teaming up. Uh, this fall, starting in October, we're going to use our World Shoe Program uh, uh, as an incentive program for people to come uh, because they trust us. Uh, people may not want people to give them vaccinations, but because we they trust Samaritan's Feed, we can provide them that HPV vaccine as one of our stations. We teach them through our wash and wear effort. We teach them how to wash their hands, wash your feet, provide them with the warming medicine so all this warms that's in this system can be cleared away. So we use uh, this prophylactic wash and wear platform as a way to deliver a whole bunch of other uh, type of um, uh, uh, solutions to people from the ground up. Hmm. You know, so so it's pretty amazing. So people can sponsor, they can go on mission strength with us, they can uh, they can serve with us, they can host uh, shoe drives with new shoe, but they can host virtual shoe drives by raising money. Uh, they can go to our website and learn all about that. But more importantly, uh, they can introduce us to people. Uh, they can help uh, go wash feet with us. They can uh, they can they can come encourage us and come tour our new uh, immersive experience here in Charlotte, uh, which is going to be a, a shoe imagination, a SFI Max, and a shoe museum. And they can be a part of these amazing mm. things. Oh man! You know, I'm going to put all that information on MikeSeminary.com. Manny, let me ask you this question. If you had a magic wand, you could wave over the heads of everybody listening. I want you to think back to Dave, the missionary from Wisconsin, when he changed the life of Emmanuel Olani in Nigeria. What's the one thing you'd want people to know about the importance of all those kids that you're trying to touch on a daily basis, what's the one thing you want them to know about those kids? Um, the one thing is, even though that they may live in hopeless situation, um, uh, God uses a pair of shoes uh, as an instrument, as a beacon of hope 
light bulb that help illuminate the possibilities for them. And, and sometimes, like, if you come to our headquarters here in Charlotte, uh, we have actually an international experience that you can walk through kind of day in the life of people that we serve. And, and you meet in Uganda, you meet Procy that has five kids. Uh, she had dreams and aspirations for those kids. Our oldest son wants to be a doctor. The other one wants to be a pilot. Um, I remember when our team went down there to go serve and wash her feet and the feet of our kids. Uh, their home was wretched, tattered, just messed up. The kids didn't have enough food. Uh, to go to school for those kids, it was $75 a year, and that was like $75 million to her because she weaves basket living at the banks of the, you know, um, Lake Victoria. And our team went down there and saw that, and, uh, and they said, we need to do something. Uh, they set up a scholarship fund for those kids. Um, they actually ended up building a home for Proceed. Um, and now those kids... Uh, we'll be able to track them from the time that we give them shoes every year to when they become a medical doctor. Mm. Um, you know, uh, to the fact that this lady that's now the treasurer of our church and uh, the kids that they used to make fun of because they have quite chocolate, they didn't eat, now they have enough uh, to be able to eat. Uh, it started with somebody that was willing to uh, deprive themselves of something to go serve in Uganda and inspiring night hope in this heart of these people and then call because it's uh, those people were changed, process family were changed, but also the volunteers' lives were changed. Mm. And they realized that um, true joy comes when we give and serve to others. Mm. And when they deployed that resource, uh, changed their life and changed those people's life. Uh, you know, they just went and did a, a grand opening of process house not too long ago. <laughs> there was not a dry eye in the place. Uh, and, and to see now we're actually thinking uh, when they graduate uh, college, which now they'll have a way to do that. Uh, I want to see if we can connect them to a medical school, maybe, you know, like in North Dakota or South Dakota, uh, you know, uh, and the kid to go to the fly school, maybe at UND or maybe uh, to my friend over, you know, like uh, uh, Republic Airways in Indianapolis to their flight school. Uh, so we can see that, um, you know, God still do miracles mm. and he can come through the gift of a pair of shoes. By the way, I watched the wonderful, pretty short video of Proceed. On yeah. on your website and the one Amusa, am I saying that correctly? Amusa, yeah. I, I watch those too. And it, for those that are listening, you got to go and look at those where you, you talk, you learn about folks that make a dollar fifty a day if they're lucky, and the needs that they have. And boy, Manny, you and Tracy, God bless both of you, by the way, for what you're doing and your whole team. Uh, I got to get you back on again sometime, and I'm I got. I, going to have to find a way to meet you maybe just have to get a on a plane and come out to charlotte and meet you come and... out to charlotte man fly, fly out to charlotte come see us come tour uh immersive specs here come tour our facility it's a testament to god's faithfulness you can see uh because for a kid that grew up in africa with no shoes mm -hmm. uh, now I'm, i can pick up my phone i can call presidents of countries ceos of some of the top corporations in the world some of the top nfl nba uh, college coaches college athletes um, that's now teaming up with us. And, and as business leaders or retired people, I said, what can I do? What can I give? Uh, if there's anything I want to leave with you, uh, remember you've been blessed. Uh, with that responsibility comes uh, for us to be a blessing. Uh, I hope what I've shared today has touched you. Uh, I've never met uh, Dave uh, since that day. And, and maybe one day I'll meet him somewhere. And, and um, just like him, just like you, just like many people that God used, miraculous is to speak hope into other people's life. We don't know what the ripple effect of our actions are. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, 
that simple act of obedience, the idea to give kids in Africa a pair of shoes. Now, 10 million children uh, will be blessed with a pair of shoes, and maybe one day up to a billion people worldwide, yeah. their life transformed because somebody chose to care. Well, just add one more thing, Manny. Um, you referenced this uh, early in our conversation. If you want to lead, you have to serve first. If you want to lead, you have to serve. And boy, are you and Tracy and all of you doing it. God bless you. Thank you so much for taking time from your incredibly busy schedule to join me, Manny. Uh, you're remarkable. Your organization remarkable. I'm looking forward to meeting you. And I'm sure glad you, you ended up in Devil's Lake, North Dakota in a winter. That, that, Amen. You remember that, that's for sure. Oh, you will not forget. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad my time, my journey through Devil's Lake, to Grand Forks, to Fargo, Moorhead, Minnesota, all through from Watford City to Bismarck, all the way in Halliday, and, you know, Kildare, and you just go on. I love North Dakota. It's a special place to me. Amen. Hey, thank you so much, Manny. God bless you.